Hello friends and welcome to our podcast, Aura, A Different Path. My name is Alex and I will be your host. We have started this podcast as a way of answering questions we get on the regular about our shop, how we do things, why we do things and all things that I consider important. But we're happy to see where it goes and let it evolve over time. At Aura, our three main focuses are where our food comes from, how it is prepared, and how it makes us feel. So in other words, nourishment. I've spent years studying and researching and finding ways to put this into a shop format so that we can provide meals for people made from real food, prepared properly. We like to consider who has grown the food that we use, the process it's gone through to get to us, and then we spend all our time preparing these ingredients with love and thought to make it as nourishing as we possibly can in the environment that we are in. For each episode, we have sponsors. Only these aren't your usual sponsors. They're not giving us things, we're giving them thanks. We're acknowledging the greatness they bring, whether it be to my life, the shop's life, people's lives in general. I think it's important to practice gratitude and this is how we're choosing to do it here. Our sponsor this week is a young lady whose name I don't even know. I found her on Instagram through a doctor and I loved that she was so young and spreading important information directed at all people but mostly people of her age. I think she's about 15 years younger than me. I appreciated this because I think sometimes younger people are more likely to listen to people their age, sometimes, if they choose to listen. And then she started a business. Uh, Firstly, I would recommend following along with her content because it's useful and easy to read, especially if you don't know much about light exposure and EMFs. But secondly, her business, Sunbaking Nude. That's right. It's what we all want, but we don't want to go to jail. It's what we probably need but we definitely don't want to go to jail. And obviously some people have the opportunity to do this in the privacy of their own homes, but a lot of people don't. So welcome, shh, the label. This very clever lady has gone and created swimwear that covers you up, but lets the light through. Freaking genius. I received mine just before Christmas, and I am proud to say that I was her first Australian customer. I know this because she wrote me a sweet little note. Anyways, I love this new keener of mine and I love that nude sunbaking has become a weekly thing for me if the sun is shining. The point is, it's more available to me than ever and I'm very happy about that. So if you're down, go and check out her stuff. I'll link in the show notes. Now this week, the show is about nothing specific and lots of things. I'll... Yeah, I'm answering some questions that I've been collecting, um, so we cover a wide array of topics. I'll be reading out the person's question and then giving giving my answer. Hopefully, it's clear. And I hope you enjoy. So first question is, what cooking equipment slash storage do you use? This is a biggie, but I'll try and keep it short. In the kitchen, we have quite a few different pots and pans made from different materials. The most common would have to be stainless steel. These are what our larger pots are made from and how we make your lunch. For pan frying, we use cast iron. My ultimate favorite company is Solitechnics. However, they weren't around when I opened Aura. So I actually ordered four big cast iron pans from France. Uh, When they arrived, my dad picked them up and laughed And he's like, do you expect the girls to be able to pick these up? And of course I said, check out these forearms, Brian, definitely. But he quickly reminded me that most people don't have the forearms, don't have forearms the size of mine. So this is why I went and bought some stainless steel pots and pans because they're much lighter and easier to move around on a stove. I also have a special copper pan that I bought in France from a market that we use only to cook the livers for the pate. We use this pan because the copper heated the base evenly so it worked perfectly for the livers because nobody likes overcooked livers, let me tell you. For our roti breads and our eggs, we use ceramic pans. Now these are wonderful because if you look after them, they act as a non-stick pan. No one is allowed to cook anything else in these pans. 
There is one for the rotis and three for eggs. And the kitchen hands are taught how to properly wash these. And we do our very best to take care of them. Actually, our roti pan is almost six years old and our egg pans would have turned two in January. Impressive. Mm, lots of people, I think, have things to say about ceramic pans when it comes to the environment. And I think that's because they can be easily damaged. The trick is to take care of them. The cast iron pans will probably last a lifetime and I'll be handing them down to Scotty. The stainless steel will also last a solid amount of time. But I feel like I can't talk about this topic without talking about Teflon. Teflon is the evil of all evils when it comes to cooking equipment. Actually, Teflon in everything and anything is disastrous. Stay away from Teflon, especially the cheap, shitty pans that don't last long at all. And you end up having to buy new pans every year. Side note, I remember many years ago finding out about all the things Teflon is in. Just a small list for those that don't know. Obviously, there are the woks, frying pans and saucepans, but things like dental floss, irons, hair straighteners, baking pans, like the non-stick ones, baking paper, what the fuck, uh, carpets and sofas, so when they offer you uh, Scotchgard to protect them from stains, etc., don't do that same with shoes don't do that um waterproof mascara not all of them but some of them you definitely don't want that shit near your eyeballs some light bulbs not cool for animals or for you but especially animals especially birds and then all the bloody kitchen appliances like um toasted sandwich makers waffle makers rice cookers slow cookers then there is waterproof clothing, waterproofing for outdoor stuff like timber and furniture. And the one that really makes me mad is that it's in some school uniforms so that if kids spill stuff on their shorts, it just slides right off. Sounds good, but no thanks. That stuff is fucked up and you do not want your children wearing that on the daily. If you don't already know why, here, some quick info just to really drive the point home i'm going to read this from low tox life so it says it takes a pan about three and a half minutes to reach 738 degrees fahrenheit oh i probably should have converted that to celsius i'm not sure why she did that she's australian but anyway so i'll start from the top it takes a pan about three and a half minutes to reach 738 degrees fahrenheit on an electric stove top with your average nonstick pan. Teflon off gases six toxic gases from reaching just 680 degrees Fahrenheit, including carcinogens, global pollutants, and a lethal chemical MFA. At 1000 degrees Fahrenheit, we get into warfare gases and World War II nerve gas. Holy hell. A lot of the documented issues and documented illnesses come from the town that these products are produced in, which include some very rare cancers, high incidence of birth defects and abnormalities, and the most common symptoms, which result from everyday Teflon use, is a high temperature cold and flu. So it's often not linked. Short story, because I always have a short story. Many, many years ago, I had the most amazing opportunity whereby my friends flew me to India to help them with their cafe they'd recently opened. I had such a blast helping with the menu and training the boys when none of us could communicate because we spoke different languages. But there was this one night where I almost thought I was going to die. No exaggeration. I was so, so hot. It was currently winter at the time in India and I was in a room with a fan and I had turned the aircon on and I developed some of the weirdest symptoms I've ever experienced. My throat was closing over and filling up with liquid at the same time and I felt like I was drowning. Because of this, I obviously couldn't sleep. I was a mess. And I remember messaging my mum the next morning saying, close call, Angirl. I almost died last night. Obviously, I couldn't go into work the next day because I felt like death. But after a day's rest, I was pretty fine. And while I was in India, and I still find the timing of this just hilarious, 
I was doing Alex Stewart's low-tox life course and literally a few days after being unwell, I got the chapters on bakeware, cookware, and it obviously included a whole bunch of information on Teflon. I knew nothing about it at the time, nothing, but quickly realized that what I had experienced that night was a result of being in a small kitchen with almost no airflow, cooking on Teflon pans all day. Holy shitballs, how did I not know about this stuff as a lady that had been cooking for so long? And because I love geeking out on this kind of stuff, I went deep and I read all about the bastard DuPont. I don't know if I'm saying that right and I don't care. And how he knew for 20 years that PFOAs in Teflon technology was harmful to people. Yet he remained quiet about it. What the actual fuck? Anyway, PFOAs are banned in 2015. They were banned in 2015. But they are still everywhere because they never break down. Nice work, DuPont. What a dick. So my message to you is don't buy that stuff. Make sure you do your research. Invest in a couple of good pans and you can have them for life. I'm pretty sure Solar Technics offers lifetime guarantees. That's a win. Um, and then I'd also like to make a quick note on plastic just for fun. So at home for personal use, I do my best to avoid plastic and I'll use glass Tupperware, etc., etc. But it was a bit of a mission early days at Aura. We had everything in glass and then we got in trouble from council. No glass is allowed in the kitchen. I hope no one from council is listening. Actually, if you are, I think Aura deserves an award. Not once have we used Glad Wrap in our store. No, no straws or plastic packaging, come to think of it. But we did get threatened from memory with a fine early days for not using Glad Wrap. But we somehow got around that. Five stars from the health inspectors going strong for seven years. So proud. Actually, health inspectors were also not into our fermentation station. It disappoints me when people try to find you for making good food. Anyway, for long-term storage, we use glass for things like our herbs and spices, etc. For short-term, we do use plastic Tupperware. I am also incredibly particular about putting hot food into plastic. If you worked with me, you know that it is illegal or illegal to do so. On that note, just about every establishment will do that. How good plastic chemicals leaching into your food. You should definitely avoid doing this at home too. Hot food should cool in the pot or go into something stainless or glass. Side note, hot liquids and plastics on the daily. For example, coffee cup lids, not cool. Try not to participate in this. Dine-in or keep cups are the go. Not plastic ones. Ugh, it's endless really. Plastic is everywhere. But once you get the hang of it, you'll be rolling. Next question. Do you work every day? At the moment, yes, I do. But before anybody judges me, I would like to offer a backstory. Actually, no, I don't work every day. I work six days because we're closed Thursdays. But that is why we're closed, so that we get a day off. Um, but backstory, when I was saving to set up Aura, I was working seven days. At one point, I was actually working six till five at the cafe and then off to the restaurant for like 5.15, 5.30 to 10.30, 11. Thank goodness Pod stepped in and put that to an end. If anyone was wondering, that's actually how um, Pod's hospitality career started. Bless his cotton socks. Um, so as I was planning to set up Aura, I gave myself six months to get everything sorted and then I made a rule that I was only allowed to work in the shop five days a week. After a couple of years, I even got it down to four days and I made that fifth day um, time to spend working on the business and recipes, but outside of the shop. So I had an amazing team that allowed me to do this. And although stuff sometimes went wrong, for the most part, I did have a fairly balanced life. And then COVID came. I feel like I want to make up a code word for COVID because it means so much more to me than that but I'll just roll with the word COVID for now. I'll get back to you on my code word. COVID is hands down the biggest plan ruiner I've ever met. So before that shit show, 
I already considered myself a very good adapter to situations, but after the last two to three years, I have it down to an art form. I refuse to participate in the bullshit wake of COVID. So I'm going to stick to my path and keep rolling. And this means for me, I will only hire people that want to work at Aura because they think we're awesome. I will not hire people that only want money. I will not hire people that don't want to learn about what we do. And I will not hire people that might be going to Byron in two months because we do invest a solid amount of time teaching people how to do everything that we do. With everything that's happened, the pool to choose from when it comes to staff is currently like a puddle. And that is why Pod and I have chosen to work full full time at the moment. But there are only like nine months left. And the building job upstairs aside, I'm actually really enjoying it. So it's good. Next question. Top 10 foods and why? All right. So instead of explaining every food here, because it could go on and on, I think I'll just summarize why I really like these foods. To be honest, my top 10 foods probably change. So I've just given my favorites for now. But there are some in there that would never change because they're the best. Actually, a lot of them. But let's see how we go. So I've got eggs, sardines, liver, vegetables. Now, I don't know if I can write vegetables because I guess it's a really big food group. But if I had to pick one at the moment, it would be zucchini. I love the versatility of it. My ultimate favorite thing at the moment is cutting it lengthways and cooking on cooking it on the barbecue. Olive oil, salt and pepper, amazing. Um, milk, the real kind. Coffee, is that a food? Did anyone say that's not a food? Um, I'm still keeping it on my list. Herbs and spices, can I put those two together for one? Um, if I had to pick fresh, like for fresh herbs, I'm going to do two and do coriander and parsley. And if for dried, I'm also going to do two, and that will be turmeric and pepper. Salt. Is that considered a food? I don't think I could live without salt for a lot of reasons, but when it comes to food, salt is very important to me. Cheese. I could go into detail here, but it would get boring. Two of my cheeses, sorry, two of my favorite cheeses at the moment actually both come from Aldi. So one is a goat's cheese and one is the Parmigiano Reggiano, the bomb. And then an all-time favorite is the Simon's Cheddar. So I'll keep that in my fridge as a cheese for all occasions kind of situation. And then that's the one we also use at the shop. So for the why... I guess I can kind of sum up all of these foods in a paragraph by saying that for me, I eat these foods the most because they make me feel good. So when I eat them, I feel like they're full of goodness. And I really like that I can get most of these items in their natural state or close to it. So for me, it's important that when I'm eating food, It makes me feel good, but also after consuming it, I feel good because I really get upset if I eat something and it makes me feel unwell afterwards. I feel like that steals time from me. It makes me sad. So yeah, I guess the foods on my list give me energy. They make me feel strong. They contain the goodness my body needs to function well, and I need to function really well I need to stand up for long periods of time for many days um it's taken me many years to work this out like how food affects my body unfortunately um I too got sucked into many fad diets and beliefs but now I feel comfortable in saying that my diet is mostly made up of real food prepared properly and some of I guess some other stuff because life happens Next question. Is there anything you don't eat? Grapefruit and radicchio. I've tried many times. They're just a strong no from me. Thoughts on feeding kids gluten and dairy. Hmm. 
I have a few things to say to this, but I would like to say, please remember that these are my thoughts. So the person that asked this question asked for my thoughts. It's not advice. And I think I'm going to direct this answer to all people, children and adults. So I've come to think that, mm, well, two things. So firstly, how are we consuming, in this case, gluten? So where did these grains come from? How were they grown? How were they produced? How were they prepared? Secondly, the person. So I think we do a lot of blaming of food groups. And I think sometimes we need to look at ourselves, not the food group. So is our body functioning optimally? Or have we been treating it like garbage for a couple of decades and expecting our digestive systems to work like we've been kind to them? I am personally not a fan of cutting out food groups. I am a fan of minimizing foods that are ultra processed. And I am a fan of limiting foods that can't go bad because they're not alive. With the exception of things that are naturally dried like apricots, for example. If I had children... I would probably feed them gluten. But to be honest, I would do my best to make the majority of the food they consume from scratch so that I know what they're eating and how it's prepared. So I know this isn't for everyone and everyone can't do this, but this is one of my values and it's how I choose to live. So it's very important for me. It's how Bonnie Doon eats and it's how my future animals will eat because... I will be eating them, all things that they produce. So for me, it's very important. Uh, If I had children, I would feed them dairy. This would look like cow and goat milk. That is real. So the stuff you can only swallow while you're bathing in it, if you get my drift. I think it is ludicrous that fresh cow milk is illegal to consume in Australia. I think it is ludicrous the processes we put a lot of our dairy through and I'll leave that there. I am a fan of yogurt, not the stuff with eight ingredients in it though, not the stuff that comes in those pouches. I am a fan of cheese. My child would love cheese. Bonnie Doon loves cheese, but not all cheese is created equally. I love raw milk cheese. I love homemade cheese. I love goat cheese. I can't wait to make cheese. Like I always say, read the ingredients. Understand how it's made. It's important. Thoughts on shower filters. Love them. An affordable purchase that I think is a game changer. As far as I know, they are about $100. Could be a bit more now since everything's gone up. Um, they are compatible with most shower heads and honestly, I've never fully understood why people would have water filters and not shower filters, but that's just me. Um, your skin is your biggest organ, so you're absorbing a whole lot under a shower. What do you miss most about old Aura? So this, for anyone that doesn't know, is Aura on Whistler Street, where Aura was born. This is easy, but it's not going to be one thing, guys. There's going to be a short list. My team. The cool room. My street family. Shout out to Tashiani. I think I have to say my coffee machine. My wall. I really miss my wall. And I know this is going to sound silly, but I really miss having our own bathroom. Don't like sharing a bathroom. Some people, man, the way they treat a bathroom is not cool. Moving on. Are you planning on writing a cookbook? I most certainly am. Another roadwork from COVID. I was supposed to head to India just after we closed Aura to write my cookbook. Now I think I'll probably be writing it in Nimboida, which I'm more than happy about. To be honest, it's practically written. I just have to adjust recipes to family, home, individual size rather than cafe size. So I'm thinking I'm just going to do one big fat Bible-sized cookbook 
I don't really have an interest in dragging them out into a few. Uh, the only reason I'd write a second book would be to share all the amazing creations from the farm that don't exist yet. Sources for delicious recipes. Hmm. I'm probably not the best to answer this one, but I'm going to give it my best shot. So if you've worked with me, you've probably seen me lose it over following recipes. They rarely work out for me the way they say they are going to, and I find this incredibly frustrating. I am a throw-things-in-a-bowl kind of lady, or I will massively interpretive dance through a recipe where I hardly follow it because I think my ideas are better, so I am probably the problem. But I think I do this because, yeah, I have practice, and a good understanding of ingredients and what they do in regards to texture and flavor, etc. So I kind of know the direction I want a recipe to take. But it's definitely a case of the more you do it, the better you will become. If I had to mention cookbooks, I would say favorites for me are Nourishing Traditions by Sally Fallon. And I actually really like Pete Evans' cookbooks. He uses a lot of herbs and spices. He loves meat and veggies. He incorporates offal. I'd just say add some cheese in there and he's spot on for my liking. Um, Sometimes I find a lot of people don't eat or use certain food groups. And sometimes I find this a little bit annoying. Just me, personally. Um, I do love like old French cookbooks and I've picked up a few of those from op shops in the past. I just really love the techniques they use and the simplicity. I love the commitment to bone stocks and broths and I love the quantities of butter and cheese. And I love that there are meat dishes, seafood dishes and vegetable dishes. And I love that there is always a sauce. That right there is the good old days. Let's bring that back. But sorry for not being super helpful on this front. My advice would be to Google a recipe that you want to make and then make it your own. Is that any more helpful? Maybe not. Actually, I will just mention quickly, this is also the beauty of cooking, what's in season and what is available to you at the time where you are. So it actually makes it easier because you don't have so much to choose from if you're cooking with fresh ingredients, obviously. But you learn to make everything yummy and, and you discover sort of how versatile a single vegetable can become. I think it becomes an amazing learning experience that sort of never, never ends. Like you learn what you like, what you're good at, and then you can build from there. Um, I would also say make notes. Notebooks are the best. Write things down. Helps you to remember. Next question. What's in your sausage rolls? Ooh, I like this one. Um, our sausage rolls were created during our market years. So I had a customer ask me to create a food item that would encourage, would encourage sorry, her kids to eat liver. And this is what I came up with. So when in doubt, add butter. And then when in double doubt, wrap it in pastry. But seriously, so many people have said to us that these are the best sausage rolls they've ever had. And I believe it's because of the healthy dose of liver that's in them. Our bodies crave this stuff and sometimes we don't even know it. Making sausage rolls, I think, is a perfect opportunity to include offal in your diet. And you want to make the most of every opportunity you get, right? Why don't you share recipes? This is an interesting question and one I have wanted to write numerous posts about in the past but have hesitated. I do get a lot of DMs asking for recipes and the answer is always a kind no. So this wasn't always the case early days but I have been burnt a couple times in different ways and Pod told me to just stop sharing so I did. There are people that have stolen my recipes and are using them in their own cafes but they're not making them organically. And as you can tell in the tone of my voice, that upsets me. 
And then there are people that I've tried to help by sharing recipes with them so that they can help to heal themselves. But the call of the pub is too strong, so they continue to drink beer and eat kebabs and be unwell. And I can only listen to this story so many times before it makes me a little upset. And then I've been sent love stories of how people met over Cybread. And then I've been asked for the recipe so they can make it for their anniversary. And I really do think this is lovely, but it's also easier for me to just draw a line. And creating recipes can be tough. It can take a lot of time. It definitely takes a lot of ingredients. And it's also how I run my business. So I've always said when I hang up my work apron, I will definitely write a cookbook so I can share all of the recipes, like anything I've noted down, anything that's in the Bibles at work, they're all going in the book. But creating recipes is literally what I've been doing since I was a teenager. And it's not something I feel people that I don't know or that I don't have a connection with should get for nothing. I hope that makes sense and that it didn't sound too harsh. I meant it with all the love. All the love. Will you open a cafe up north? Absolutely not. I have done my time. I am ready to retire. But I am always willing to teach people though. So if anyone wants to take on the responsibility of owning Aura, please get in touch. The community needs you. But that aside, I am ready to continue learning in nature. Sometimes with people, sometimes without, always with Bonnie Dune. But never say never, right? But I'm pretty sure the answer is no. Is it necessary to always eat organic? This is a great question and one I will touch on lightly. I could probably do a whole podcast on this. So let me know if you want more info, but let's go with a short answer for now. So if you listen to the podcast with Nikki J on detoxing, you would have learned about lessening the load, creating less of a burden for the body to detox. And one of these ways we talked about was eating more whole foods and making them organic where possible. I am by no means an all organic person. I'm very particular about backstories, like backstories of production and products. And I much prefer supporting small family businesses that farm organically, but don't pay for the certification over huge companies that are certified organic. So there are some items I'm fussy about and some items I'm not so worried about. I'm just giving my opinion here. Hopefully it's helpful or it makes you think about certain things that maybe you haven't before. But for example, for me, I am a close to non-negotiable on meat and dairy when it comes to organic, grass-fed, biodynamic, etc. This only shifts when I go out, but if I have the option, I will always choose a place that offers friendly ingredients. If it's not my choice, I try to act normal and participate. Um, what else? Oh, I'm a huge fan of the Clean 15 and the Dirty Dozen. So this is a list of produce that is released each year that explains which 12 foods you should do your best to purchase organically as they're grown using a lot of sprays, chemicals, and pesticides. And then the 15 foods that are okay to purchase the conventional kind because they're not or they're less sprayed. So for me, I have certain things that I go by, but as always, nothing is set in stone. I personally won't purchase salad greens and herbs that aren't organic. I much prefer to forage them from around the neighborhood. Uh, they're free. They taste better. Uh, otherwise, I'm happy to go without. I will not opt for acai bowls that are advertised as organic because I know that only the acai is organic and the juice isn't, the berries aren't, the bowl comes covered in these berries blueberries and strawberries in the middle of winter no way man and at the very least i know that a punnet of organic blueberries costs 13 dollars wholesale so there is no way that any of those berries are organic because the cost of that topping alone would be close to 20 dollars. i will just add 
yes, I know some people use organic blueberries in winter, and yes, that's fine if that's what you want to do. But I'm talking about the fresh berries that everyone has access to at all times of the year. These are not. And for me, I'm not down. I probably won't eat berries that aren't organic unless it's a special occasion. I actually only usually eat fruit when it's in season. So it tastes better. It's more affordable. My body likes it that way. And personally, I don't think it's necessary to be eating a wide array of foods every day throughout the whole year. It never used to be like that. I try to keep things simple. There is also a lot of info out there on glyphosate that you can investigate. Um, I'm actually going to link to a lady and her business, and she has a lot of really good information. So her name's Cindy O'Meara, and her business is called Changing Habits, and she's been going on about this stuff forever, and she is committed. I love her commitment. So I'll put her information in the show notes as well. But there's also a lot of good podcasts out there. Um, I mean, yeah, to be honest, I can't actually believe that this shit is legal in Australia, like glyphosate, because it's been banned in so many other countries. And for me, it's pretty black and white. Like if a country bans a chemical because they've found it's harming its population, it should be banned worldwide. Like how is an Australian any different to a German when it comes to chemicals? Those bastards still allow the stuff to be sprayed like all around town, manly I'm talking about, but I imagine it's everywhere, like parks, the concrete. It is so infuriating. The amount of times I've had to approach people and tell them not to spray near the shop. So many people walking past barefoot. So many puppy dogs sniffing that shit up their noses. One time, I actually went up to a boy and I said to him, you need to speak to your boss because you're not wearing any protective gear. Do you even know what you're spraying? He told me it was a healthier option, a greener option. I asked to see the bottle, then I ran inside, googled the product, and the main ingredient was glyphosate. So of course, I ran back out there, told him, that stuff is going to make you sick if you're using it every day with no protection. And do you know what he did? He shrugged his shoulders. Sad. Anyway, I posted that neat little story just the other day about the Swedish family that didn't eat organic food, but decided to participate in an experiment where they changed their entire diet to organic. So they had blood tests before and after, and they noticed a significant change in the levels of chemicals and pesticides found inside each of them. I think there were four children that looked like they were aged from about four to like 16. And the mum was sad. She was sad because she realized she'd been feeding her kids chemicals and pesticides and said she will continue to eat organically as there is no information on what this kind of exposure can do to us, especially long term, or how different chemicals and pesticides behave when combined. Sometimes I wish we could all get these tests done. I think it would make people reconsider their decisions, but also make people stand strong and say no to this shit because we don't want it in our food. We don't want it in our environment. And on that note, Zach Bush is also a legendary person to listen to about this topic. Lessons from 2022 and what is on for 2023. Now, this was an interesting question and I kind of just took it how I understood it. So the lessons from 2022 part could be a podcast, but it could get ranty. So I won't do a podcast on my lessons from 2022. I'm going to keep it short. I've dot pointed three things. I'm thinking that they will be helpful, hopefully. And they actually all came from the end of 2022 because I think that was a more happier time for me at least. But yeah, I'll try and keep it short. So firstly, I really enjoyed diving into the topic of investing my money. I really wish this stuff was taught in school. Uh, it blew my mind. And if you're my friend or family member, you've definitely heard my speech. I won't make a speech now, but I just found it very interesting that people are not, like generally speaking, are not encouraged to at least dabble in the stock market. So I've always considered it only for people that do that kind of work. And I, it was never on my radar for me to get involved personally. But I read a really cool book and I listened to a podcast. They're both called Shiz on the Money. 
And it's a couple of ladies helping ladies to sort out their money and understand more about investing and feeling more confident in their decisions and with their finances, um, etc. So I love it. I thought it was very practical, very useful, very eye-opening. And for me, I'm someone that's always saved my money. Like my dad said when we, when we were little, um, if you save 10% of everything you make, you'll never be poor. Obviously, that's open to interpretation, but it got me thinking from a very young age and I started stashing money in books, in envelopes, bookshelves, and I've been a good saver ever since. Um, so I appreciate that he said that to us at such a young age. And I understand that it's really important to live in the present and that can involve spending all your money. But I also think it's really important to be smart about your resources. This is just my opinion. But I'll try and wrap this up with, I think it's better to start now. So even if it's just getting into the habit of putting $20 aside a week, then you get this, you form this good habit. And then when you discover what you want to invest your money in, and that could even be a holiday, It can be anything, but you've got it sitting there, ready and waiting. And you don't need to start then. You've got a little stash, like, ready to go. Point two, I definitely had some good reminders about the effect that the people you spend the most time with have on you. So, yeah, it's funny. For me, I feel like, yeah, it's funny how you can go through life sometimes learning the same lesson over and over, but in different ways. And you just come back and you're like, oh man, I learned this lesson like three years ago, but I just did it again. And it's not so much that you become those people, but I think they definitely influence you in certain ways, whether that be your energy, your decisions, your thoughts. And I suppose once again, I've come to the conclusion that it's best to hang out with people that you consider to be the coolest and that align with your values and that make you feel good. I think, yeah, I think it makes a really big difference to your world, the people that you spend a lot of time with. Um, Point three, I had a pretty big wake up call with food. Um, So I've talked about Lydia in the past, internal instinct Lydia, and I'll be bringing her on the show in the future to talk more about this in detail but she threw the idea at me to take notes on what I consume on a day-to-day basis. And it was eye-opening to say the least. Um, I thought I did a lot of a better job than what I was actually doing. So I've changed some things up and I'm definitely feeling more fantastic for it. Just to be clear, it wasn't so much about what I was eating, but more about how little I was eating. So that was also a reminder of how used to things that you can become. So me feeling like a six had become a nine. Do you guys like rate how you feel? I do. That's, I always line things up. Like I always um, give things like a rating. I hope that makes sense. But yeah, me feeling like a six had become a nine and I forgot what a real nine felt like. Does that make sense? But that's why I always like to take the opportunity to potentially feel even better because you never know you never know and it's easy to get into patterns it's easy to get into habits so the second part of this question was what's on for 2023 now I didn't know if this was about aura or myself so I'm just going to talk about myself because we all know what's happening with aura we've got nine months to go and we're going to keep feeding our people the best food that we can but for myself Firstly, I am trying to develop, and I'm sharing this because I think it's good for everyone to think about, but I'm trying to develop a better understanding and acceptance towards death. So I think the way we see and deal with death, at least in Australia, is very odd. We don't really deal with it or think about it or talk about it. Um, We only associate it with sadness and loss. And I'm very aware that I'll be experiencing more death than ever when I move to the farm. So why not get a little better acquainted, right? I mean, for now, it's all just thoughts and understanding because over Christmas, I still couldn't kill a slug that was eating my comfrey. Oh, that was bad. Pod's like, kill it. And I was like, I can't. Anyway, wish me luck with that. Got a lot of work to do. 
Um, and something that's been on my mind recently, which I'm just going to share, is the whole diet culture movement. I'm seeing a lot come up about this. And so, yeah, it's been on my mind and I've, I'm seeing it be thrown around on social media. I also got a DM in regards to it, but I won't go on about it. But it has got me thinking. And I think, yeah, you should be cautious when listening to any information, especially on social media. But ultimately, it is your responsibility or my responsibility to make decisions for yourself, hopefully good ones, when you're exposing yourself to all of these different things. So I don't think it feels right for statements to be made only if they can be followed up by a study. I think people can have experiences, see patterns, whether that be in their workplace or individually. And I think social media has been set up as a place for people to share, but it's up to you as the viewer how literal you take the information. So if someone is trying to sell you something, I'd look really hard or leave. Don't believe everything you see, read and hear. Do your research. Um, I know of so many people that I've really enjoyed listening to in the past decide they're going to make a range of supplements. And this was never a passion of theirs, but as their following grew, they decided it's a great way to make money. And generally speaking, that really pisses me off, but I'll leave that there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just think before you invest in anything, you should always do your research. Just like buying something at the supermarket. It's an investment. You're spending your money on something. You're putting it inside your body. You should probably know a bit about it, no? And then there are all these like blood tests and food sensitivity tests and stool tests and all kinds of tests. But sometimes I find myself wondering, where are these numbers coming from? Like, how is a good level or a dangerous level decided? Like the same as RDIs. Who made up these numbers? Who are they based on? From what people? In what environment? Like there are so many people living so many different lifestyles now. And sometimes I feel like none of this is taken into consideration. Like medicine, for example. So let's take the back of a packet of painkillers. It says something like, adults, take no more than two capsules every four hours. But what is an adult? Because for me, I know short adults. I know tall adults, fat adults, skinny adults, dense adults. I know adults that weigh between 45 kilos and 180 kilos. So that is weird. That is a weird recommendation. But this seems to be how it is. Maybe I'm going on a rant. I don't even know what question I'm on. I'm definitely on a rant. But this is just another thought that has come out of my mouth, as most of my thoughts do. But maybe something for you to think about, because I just find it really interesting. But to summarize, I would like to say, let's bring back common sense. I love common sense. From a common sense perspective, I can say the internet and social media is productive when it comes to sharing and finding information. But like with anything, there can be some real dicks out there. People who want your money. There are also some really cool people out there that hope that their amazing discovery does what it did for them, for everybody. But it's just not how it works. But this shouldn't begin a movement where we diss everyone and everything unless there is a study connected to it. Studies can be fickle. And in this day and age, we're discovering new information all the time. And we're learning weird things like how to isolate elements of something or other so that we can get more of that certain thing faster in a more convenient way. But then, if I use my common sense, I'll bring it back to nature. Why does it exist in nature that way? The way we found it. I'm just saying. Here's another interesting thought. Nuts. Have you ever seen a nut tree before? Have you picked and shelled nuts yourself? I think there is no way people would be consuming the quantity of nuts that they do these days if you had to grow, pick and shell the nuts yourself. No way, man. That is hard work. But here we are buying packets of the things and shoveling them into our mouths 
We're making granolas out of them, milks out of them, baked goods, cheese, everything. They're also seasonal, I might just add. There is a beauty in that they have a longer shelf life, but I think it's a good item to maybe eat as though you had to pick and shell them yourself. I heard a doctor who I really like say once something along the lines of, I tell my patients, if you want to eat ice cream, eat ice cream. If you want to eat cookies, eat cookies. But all I ask is that you make that ice cream and those cookies yourself. And he said the majority of people that don't end up eating the ice cream and the cookies because they can't be bothered making them themselves was huge. And I like this. I think this is a good way to view things. Again, it would probably bite a couple of people in the bum because they'd have the time and resources to make ice cream and cookies all the time and then they'd eat the cookies and ice cream every day. But generally speaking, I think this idea works. I also think that when you make things for yourself with real ingredients, your body has a limit. Whereas something like Tim Tams, those little bastards are made to encourage whole packet consumption in one seating. Anyways, I hope I didn't start this answer with I'll keep it short because this definitely hasn't been short. But I do think that this is good information to share, right? Give you all a little something to think about. I hope you feel the same. But that was my last question. So this here is the end. And that's all the questions I had that I feel I could answer. I did get a few that I feel I'm not qualified to talk about. So I'll be looking into those and seeing if some other folks can help me out there. But I'd like to wrap this up by saying thanks again for being here. Welcome to 2023 and all that jazz. Um, And the quote, the quote, I promised I wouldn't forget my quote, which I don't actually have. It's in my mind, but it's pretty, it's pretty basic. And I couldn't go back. I couldn't be bothered to go back through the book and see like if I was saying it word for word, but you'll get the gist. And that is the best time to plant a tree was yesterday. The second best time is today. I like that. I think that was in reference to investing from that investing book I read. And I'll link that book in the show notes. But yeah, I like it. I think it can be applied to a lot of things. But until next time, friends, plant trees, eat veggies, obviously some liver, be naked in the sun. Bye.